I was born on, on, under a very bright star because you can think of, of my life. I got out of law school. I have top grades. No law firm in the city of New York will hire me. I end up teaching. As I said before, they gave me time to devote to the movement for evening out the rights of women and men. Hey guys, welcome to Wi-Fi Matters. So today's episode is a bit different from what you're used to. Today, I really wanted to use this platform and use my voice to remember my role model, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, I mean, where 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 can I begin to remember this unstoppable, iconic, graceful, articulate, powerful woman who had an incomprehensible amount of fortitude when she spoke? She spoke with conviction. When she thought, she thought for the people. When she wrote, she wrote wisely. When she worked, she worked hard. And when she smiled, her captivating, sort of mischievous smile, she sent a powerful, powerful message that we can do anything. The first time that I learned about Justice Ginsburg was through a magazine. Um, whenever I went grocery shopping and when I went to the grocery store with my parents, I never actually did the shopping. I always went straight to the cash register, and I still do, and I read any of the interesting magazines that are there. And on that specific day, I read, I picked up the Time magazine of the 100 Most Influential Women. Um, and I recognized many of the faces and the people in the magazine. I saw Michelle Obama, Expanding the American Dream, I saw Serena Williams, the champion, Malala, defying the Taliban. And of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the change maker. Now, I had no idea who she really was at the time. You know, I had no idea what the heck a Supreme Court justice even was until a couple years later in eighth grade. I knew nothing about her, yet I thought she was intriguing with her riveting gaze. Her work, it has been at the pinnacle of the law, yet she understands and she recognizes and she believes that change and true change comes from the ordinary people's front, which she said included men too. Before long, you know, I started hopping on the bandwagon. Um, Notorious RBG books filled my room. I had a packet of mints called Judgments with her face plastered on it. I pulled my parents along with me to watch On the Basis of Sex. I watched YouTube videos of her tiring workouts. I mean, for me, and I think for, and I know for millions and millions of girls, there will never ever be a figure as monumental and amazing like her. Um, and it wasn't until like eighth grade when I actually learned more about the government and learned about what a Supreme Court justice really was. I then started to learn about her work and her fight for gender equality and I really started to understand how she was a trailblazer in the feminist movement. You know, she was the second woman on the Supreme Court and she served for more than 27 years. In the 1970s, she argued to the court how gender equality means we're equal means the same. Not that women need more accommodations than men. She argued that equal protection 
under the Constitution should span to not only that of racial discrimination, but also that of sex discrimination. And also, you know, during her years when she was the only woman on the court, um, because Sandra Day O'Connor retired and then Sonia Sotomayor came on in like 2006, she defended abortion rights and she made some of her most amazing and most powerful dissents during this time. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was the first of many, many things. She was the first female member of the Harvard Law Review. She was the first one of the first women to teach at American law school, and she was the first female tenured professor at Columbia University. But more importantly, she was an incredible, incredible role model for her clerks, for women and men, for girls and boys, for married couples, for lawyers, for mothers. And I would now like to have a moment of silence to remember this titan of justice, this giant the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, I'm a bit sad to have to shift the conversation away from honoring Justice Ginsburg, but we cannot and we mustn't stop fighting for everything that she's done for us. In the days leading up to her death, she dictated to her granddaughter, and some of you um, might have heard this already, but she said, quote, my most fervent wish is that I will not re that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed, unquote. Right now, all branches of the U.S. government are up in the air. The consequences of her death will have a tremendous impact on the presidential election, which is in less than two months. Trump now has a chance to install a third member of the Supreme Court. So there's, there's now a path open to having a conservative majority on the Supreme Court, and this will reshape our justice system for decades to come. Trump is also using Justice Ginsburg's death and the vacancy in the Supreme Court as a means to shift the attention away from how he's poorly uh, led the country through this pandemic towards making members of the Republican Party who are on the fence to vote for him actually go lean to vote for him because they want the court to become conservative and that can happen if Trump gets reelected. So right now Trump is expected to nominate a replacement um, as soon as next week and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell who's from who's um, a Republican immediately vowed to hold a Senate confirmation vote. So according to the New York Times Democratic presidential nominee former Vice President Joe Biden has agreed with Justice Ginsburg's um, wishes. He says that, quote, there is no doubt that voters should pick the president and the president should pick the justice for the Senate to consider. This was the position the Republican Senate took in 2016 when there were almost 10 months to go before the election. And if some of you may remember back in 2016, President Obama had nominated Garland to the Supreme Court, but of course... Um, the Senate um, denied this. They said that we'll use whoever gets elected as president, which was President Trump, and they used his nomination, who was Neil Gorsuch, and now he's on the Supreme Court. So they're basically not keeping their word. They're not, they're not keeping with the precedent that they set um, four years ago. So right now, there's a furious, furious battle brewing in, over this vacancy in the Supreme Court. Trump's pick um, to replace Justice Ginsburg 
will be one of the biggest ideological shifts rightward um, for a single Supreme Court seat um, since conservative Clarence Thomas succeeded the liberal Thurgood Marshall nearly three decades ago. So for my listeners who can't vote yet, I have linked a petition to delay filling in Justice Ginsburg's seat in the episode description. Um, And you can always just search it up on the web, search up petition to delay filling in her seat. Um, And please go sign it. It's the least you can do. I mean, uh, it's just great to honor her legacy. And then also for those of you who can vote, Please, 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 please go and vote. Your voice matters now more than ever. Um, Also, I just wanted to quickly acknowledge National Public Radio for the voice of Justice Ginsburg um, at the beginning of the episode, but also it's going to play at the end of the episode. Um, It was part of, it was in an interview they had with her about if she had any regrets, and you can search it up too. Um, And thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you next time. So I'll tell you what Justice O'Connor once said to me. She said, suppose we had been, we had come of age at a time when women lawyers were welcome at the bar. You know what? Today we would be retired partners from some large law firm. But because that was route was not open to us, we had to find another way, and we both end up on the United States Supreme Supreme Court.